Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. Can I ask you a question? Were you a little bit like me when I was a little girl and did you have romantic ideas of being a princess? As a little girl, did you get dressed up pretending to be that princess? Do you know what it was that made you want to pretend to be that princess? And do you know what being a princess actually meant for you? Or did you just love the idea of being a princess without knowing exactly what was motivating this desire inside of you? Well, the reason that I ask these questions is because I am publishing this episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs on National Princess Day, the 18th of November. A day that is set aside on the American calendar to celebrate the spirit of being a princess. Up until a few days ago, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as National Princess Day until I spotted it on my Google calendar. And of course, this being the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, naturally Princess Day captured my interest as this is where the tiara comes into the title of this podcast. So here I am, super excited to explore what drives this desire in little girls to want to be a princess. What does wanting to be be a princess really mean? And I'll be asking questions like, is it a good thing or a bad thing for girls to dream about being a princess? And things like, is society driving this desire in little girls or is there some deeper need that little girls are seeking to have met by imagining themselves as princesses? And I can't ignore that this desire can actually make women more vulnerable to being taken advantage of by men that are abusive, which you should know is the driver behind this podcast. The Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast is a free resource for people to explore toxic and abusive relationships so that people can become more empowered through a growing awareness that helps to make important changes to live a life that is free from abuse and sees you triumph over life's adversities. Okay, let's open the door on today's episode. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Before we go into the whys about little girls wanting to become princesses, I'd like to get vulnerable and share my own inner desires of being a princess as I was growing up. Lots of little girls around the age of three or four like to dress up and the two things that I liked dressing up most as was a princess and a bride. So um, the love of dressing up, whether it was as a princess or some other character, didn't stop there. It didn't stop when I was three or four years old. When I was 16, I was in a high school musical and my character was a grand duchess. Admittedly, it wasn't a princess, but it was still royalty. I wore a satin gown with a red sash and, of course, a tiara donned my head. And then again, when I was 18, I went to a fancy dress party and I dressed up as the fairy godmother. I had a beautiful gown, a magic wand in my hand, and of course, the tiara found its way to the top of my head again. And then 
when I got married, now I've been married twice, so but both times I got married, I opted to wear a gown fit for a princess and my head was once again adorned with a tiara. So I guess all my life I have loved having an excuse to dress up in beautiful dresses, especially those times when I felt like I was the belle of the ball. Uh, In my mind, I don't think there are enough reasons for getting dressed up and the way that it makes you feel to be able to put something beautiful on. So for me, I guess there were a few obvious reasons that I like to dress up. One, I felt beautiful when I wore something gorgeous. Two, it made me feel really special when I dressed up. Three, I felt really elegant and completely feminine. And the other thing that it made me feel was like I was able to hold my head high in any circle. So it didn't matter what my social standing was. When I put that beautiful gown on, I felt like a million dollars and I felt like I could walk into any room uh, with the upper echelons of society, if you like. So now don't get me wrong. um, I'm not suggesting here that women should all get back to the way of the 1950s where they were all wearing these gorgeous pretty dresses all while they were doing you know the housework and the cooking and the cleaning and the ironing and the washing and the shopping and all the things that in inverted commas a good wife would do um and they did all of this all the while never having a hair out of place, always looking immaculate. So I'm not suggesting that we go back there. Um, I actually want to really quash those unrealistic standards, but I'm not going to do that just yet. It would be fair to say that probably 95% of the time I actually wear pants. Why? Because I feel really comfortable in pants um, and I can get on with anything in my day. And yeah, that's what I prefer. That's my preference and that's why I dress most of the time. But undeniably, I still love those special occasions where I get to dress up and look and feel like a princess. So I think the thing that rings true for me the most is that princesses are very, very special women. And that was probably the need deep down inside of me that I really craved to have met. So not that I was a woman when I was a little girl, but I knew that one day I wanted to grow up to be a, you know, really desirable woman who was ultimately loved and respected. So, and valued, you know, that is so, so important. Now, there were lots of things going on in my head telling me the complete opposite, probably. Um things that were telling me otherwise. And that didn't necessarily come from other people making me feel that way. Uh, You know, quite a few of those negative things that I was thinking and holding on to were very, very negative. And, you know, this notion that the authentic me, which I really believe deep down inside that I was very, very special, that was a source of motivation to keep picking myself up when something in life would happen to knock me down. And as I said, it wasn't always external. Sometimes it was things that were going on inside of me that would knock me down and I'd have to find the courage to pick myself up again. I don't know if you relate to any of that, um, but that was certainly true for me. There are a lot of mixed messages that we get in life which make it hard for us to truly love ourselves. It was um, 
probably, you know, it's taken the better part of my life for me to see myself in a really positive light, let alone love myself, which is funny. Well, not funny in a funny way, but funny in a pretty ironic way. Um, because it felt completely natural that somebody else should fall in love with me, even when I didn't particularly like myself very much, let alone love myself. So today, after years of giving myself a hard time, I'm finally developing a genuine love for the person that I am. And what this is doing for me is transforming me in so many ways to finally live into my true potential, which means that I can be the adventurer that I've always wanted to be, which means that I can take the risks that I know that are necessary for me to go on adventures in my life. And in my heart of hearts, that's my desire for you too. I would love you to love yourself, imperfections and all. So no matter where you are at in your life right now, I would like you to stop giving yourself a hard time and pick up that imaginary tiara and put it on top of your lovely head and sit with that feeling of being a person who is very, very special and a person that deserves to be honoured and loved by your own self just as much as you deserve to be loved by others. For many reasons, women are often driven into meeting everyone else's needs and feeling like they need to forego their own to look after everyone else and to meet the long and never-ending list of to-dos. And this feeling arises... Um, and that means that self-care basically goes out the window, which is ultimately, you know, self-care is ultimately an act of self-love. But somehow we've got it all muddled up and we see it the other way around and we see self-care as somehow being selfish. So I want you to know that I've been there um, I have run myself literally into the ground to the point where I was 54 kilograms where, you know, my bones were jutting out. Um, I was gaunt. Um, I was so full of nervous energy that when I would sit down, my leg would not stop jittering. Uh, I was constantly tapping, 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 and my nerves were just stretched to the absolute limit like a rubber band ready to snap. So, now, you know, at that time in my life, there was a need for me to go that extra mile because I was trying to manage an unmanageable situation with my ex-partner who was dragging me and the kids down the gurgler with him and just would not leave us alone. It was the same old story where the victim survivor is being worn down until they are just a shell of their former selves. Instead of seeing myself as courageous for hanging in there and managing somehow to keep life going, I felt ashamed that I had not been able to hold on to a normal life. Instead of seeing myself as strong for standing my ground for such a long time, I saw myself as weak for not being able to do more to turn the situation around. Instead of seeing myself as special, I felt a complete loss of dignity for getting to rock bottom and losing everything because of the level of abuse that was going on, including financial abuse. I was just covered in a cloak of negativity, pain, shame, and humiliation. If there was any time in my life that I needed rescuing, it was then. I didn't have any idea where to turn to for help. So the person causing so much pain in my life at that time had actually positioned himself as my rescuer, even though he was the one who was causing the harm. 
So knowing who to turn to for help can be the hardest thing. And I know that because I've been there. You might have been wishing and praying that you could get some help with your own situation and you might be in the same position that I was in and that only person that you've got to turn to for help is the one who is causing you harm. And I want to fix that right now. And the way that I'm going to do that is not by being the fairy godmother and picking up my magic wand and magically making everything better for you. I wish that I was able to do that, but I'm going to do something which is going to empower you instead. And what I'm talking about is I'm going to give you some references of places that you can turn to for support, which is something that I wish that I had at that time and I had no idea where to turn, who to ask for help. So the first hurdle that you need to get over is knowing where to turn for support. And the second hurdle is getting past the fear of going into unfamiliar territory where talking to someone that you've never met before and actually putting your trust in that person because you know that that person's a professional and they're in a role and then that role is there to support people like you and to help you to get, you know, out of your situation and into a better situation. But still, it takes an incredible amount of trust because you don't know how the system works. You don't know the person that you're dealing with. It You feel very vulnerable. You don't know, you know, how much you can divulge what you should actually share. There's so much to think about at this time and all of those kinds of thoughts can do a really good job of holding you back from getting the support that you need. And I, why do I know this? Because I've been there and that was me. And I'll give you an example of that in a second. But, you, you know, it's completely understandable that you might have trust issues, especially because you've been undermined in your relationship. And so your trust in in the person that you are in a relationship has been eroded. That also erodes your trust in other people. That also erodes your trust in society. It erodes your trust in the system. It erodes your trust in just life and in general. So, um, it's understandable that this hurdle is going to be there and that this is one that you're going to meet, but this is one that you can get past, okay? It doesn't have to keep you stuck. Um, so the first time I spoke to a women's refuge line, I opted not to go into a refuge as I just couldn't wrap my head around leaving my pets behind um, let alone the kids not being able to go into school or me being able to go to work. But there were also all these unknowns that were just frightening the hell out of me that, you know, like I had no idea what a refuge would look like. You know, I had no idea whether I was going to be introducing my children to an environment where there were going to be other traumatized women and children. There were just so many unanswered questions and that I was not given answers to, which ended up being barriers to me going and actually tapping into the system. So mystery is never a great thing when you're in a position of really needing rescuing and wanting support. You want to have some certainties around what you're doing because when you've got some certainty, that gives you the confidence that you need to be able to take those courageous steps and do those courageous things. So if you've done a bit of toing and froing and going, I think I'm going to reach out and get support, and then you think, no, I just don't know if that's going to make things harder for me, you know, than they already are. Know that, that those feelings are absolutely 100% normal and um, that these are very common fears that you're facing and that the services know about, you know, how the, this impacts on you and, you know, have you can have conversations and say, look, you know, I think that this is something that I really need, but 
oh my goodness, I'm so scared to make any changes. You know, have you got any, um, you know, advice about, you know, how I can help myself, you know, feel calmer about making these big changes to my life? Because when you're in this situation, um, a little change is not going to make a big difference. Um, you need to be making some big decisions and you need support around yourself when you're making those big decisions. And this factors into any point of the journey, whether you're you know, in that relationship still and you're needing help to get out of that relationship whether you are in that relationship and you want some help to see whether you can actually turn things around in the relationship by engaging in, you know, counselling and um, perhaps your partner engaging in behavioural change programs and things like that. Or if you are going to go down the path of you've already left and you're on the other side, but oh my goodness, you are still in a very traumatized state and you just don't know how you are going to start picking up the pieces of your life to start giving it some semblance of normality again so that you can get yourself back and get your life onto you know the right path again so you when you exit you you know you you're kind of so confronted with where am I now because I've just lost myself in this relationship and how am I going to be a whole person again after I've gone through this but you can get onto a recovery path and um, that's going to take courage in itself too but it's a very very rewarding journey to be on when you once you get onto it I, I just want to get back to uh some things, some experiences that I had. So the first time I went to court to get an intervention order, my ex-partner made me feel like I had done the wrong thing. He was like, you didn't need to go and do this. You've gone too far. Um, you know, you don't need to have this in place. I don't commit family violence. And, and this is, you know, very natural thing that perpetrators of abuse do they're very good at twisting things and making you feel like you're responsible so um so I felt like oh my goodness what have I done so I went back to the courts and um thank goodness the courts are so used to this happening as many women are made to feel the way that I was and they're coerced into removing the order by the Perpetrator. So the court actually said to me, no, you can't remove this order. What we'll do is we'll, you know, eliminate most of the terms of this order, but we're going to leave it in place that he cannot commit family violence as a general thing. And um, before you knew it, he committed family violence. And before I knew it, I was back in the court asking the court to reinstate the terms of the order. Um, and then I knew, actually, I really do need this. So, um, and when I had the courage to do that, my problems didn't go away. They escalated, which is often the case for women because it's like a game of cat and mouse. It was all, you know, like how dare I basically hold him accountable for, you know, anything that he was doing. So um, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And at that time, I think I really, you know, could have done with more support around me. It's a very a critical time for women um, when they have intervention orders in place where they really, really need to have the support of professional services, people who can advocate on their behalf, people who can counsel them um, to support them through that time to reassure them that, yes, they're doing the right thing. Most women don't know what to do when they get an intervention order if the person breaches the order and they don't you know like myself I didn't know you know I didn't want to be pestering the police with things that I thought were minor um but I 
eventually just did do the reporting each time and kept documenting everything as you're supposed to do. Um, all of this takes courage and strength. So uh, learning to value myself has been a really confusing and complicated path, which um, I know that many women who have experienced or are experiencing domestic violence can relate to. Victims and survivors are made to feel as though they're responsible, as I said before, for bringing their partner or ex-partner to a point where he he acts out abusive behaviours. So this feeling and other negative feelings can keep you stuck in a very bad place even years after you've broken away from abusive relationships and lest you start exploring ways to heal your life, ways to start healing your heart and ways to start healing your head because of all the mental anguish that you've been through um, and what that has done to your nervous system. So you have a lifelong relationship with you and that's so important and that is of immense value and I want you to value yourself and value that relationship and know that it's worth doing the work on you because that's going to lead you to happiness that's going to lead you to fulfillment at the end of the day so I don't know where you are in the world but I have got a link to a international online directory called hot peach pages and um, that link and for the directory actually connects to support services all over the world which is such a brilliant resource and I'm so glad that the hot peach pages exist because it makes my job so much easier to be able to share one link with you and uh, then you can explore what it is that you need support with in your area and find the help, the right help for you to keep going with what you've got to keep going with to get your life back onto a good path again. So, um, so if you are still in that relationship, a good place to start to, to is to talk to a specialist counselling service for um, domestic violence. So these, um, counselling services are safe spaces where you can talk to trained counsellors in the area of domestic violence and they understand um, and they can help you to know what the next step next best steps are for you so here in Australia we have a brilliant organization called 1800 respect in the UK um, it is an organization called women's aid and in the USA it's an organization called national domestic violence hotline but there are tons and tons of other services out there all relating to the complex issues that go with hand in hand with domestic violence. And I encourage you to explore that directory, the hot peach pages to find the right support service for you to help you with whatever challenges that you're going through. Now, maybe you're not sure if what you're experiencing is domestic violence. I've been there too. I had no idea for such a long time that the types of things going on in my relationship were actually different types of domestic violence, let alone not knowing what my rights were or that my rights were being violated in that relationship that I was in. Unfortunately, when we're growing up, a lot of us have this, you know, dream of being a princess and um, we're, we're not brought up and taught about basic human rights, let alone what a healthy relationship looks like so it's no wonder that you know women fall into you know unhealthy relationships when then we have things like gender inequality already giving us messages that we're not worth as much as a man which 
is completely incorrect. Um, we are worthy and we've got just as much value as a man. We're people at the end of the day and each person has equal rights. So I haven't even began to explore things like, and I won't be getting into it at, because we don't have time, um, but it, very important topics like cultural differences that might normalize abusive relationships towards women or um, things like people living with disabilities being much more vulnerable to different forms of abuse. Um, challenges for people living with disabilities or people with linguistic differences can have added barriers to getting the support that they need. The Hot Peach page is what I love about it is that it's translated into many different languages. So this should hopefully help you if your first language is not English. If you're someone living with a disability, it's so important that you get help and support. You not only deserve to be treated with respect and dignity, but this is also your right. So getting help is never, ever, ever a weakness. It's always a strength. But somehow in society, we have got this mixed up and we can tend to view it the other way around. People who move forward in life rather are the ones who are not afraid to ask for help. Please remember that. Okay. And and most likely they are afraid, they have their fears, but they don't let the fear stop them from getting the help that they need. So getting help is a strength. Ultimately, it is such a strength to be able to do that. So now you know that there is a link in the international hot peach pages in the episode notes okay that's where you need to go to find that link you can take some time to explore it and see what support there is out there for you in your area and then take that next step and take some action and call the organization you think might be able to help you okay support services are there for every single stage of your journey not just in times of crisis. So if you are through the crisis stage and you are at the point in your journey where you need help picking up those pieces, like I said before, in your life, there are supports available for you to get onto a recovery path. You might even wish to check out some of my private and funded services through my recovery coaching service, The Key To Be Free. And you can find a link for this also in the episode notes. Okay, let's explore some of these questions asked in the intro and find out why there is a National Princess Day in America. We'll be back with more in just a minute. Before we do, we want to give you a bit of motivation and let you know what's on offer to help you with some of life's frustrations. This podcast is proudly brought to you by The Key To Be Free, a support service organisation helping people to be empowered and to create a life they no longer feel they need to escape from and to help you to get started on your journey to a life where you feel free to be all that you want to be there is a free gift waiting for you all you need to do is go to www.thekeytobefree.com.au and to make it super easy go to the episode notes and you will find a link that will take you straight there this gift will help you with two key areas in your life that will help your life to be happier and more fulfilling it's a gift that you can tap into over and over again. It's one that'll heal your heart and your hip pocket. So tap that link to get your free gift, the Love and Abundance Guided Meditation. But wait, you may be in need of some extra support right now and we want to make sure that you get that. So we have also added a link to a crisis support list to help you on your way to get the right support at the right time to make everything all right again. Okay, back to the show. 
Here's a little bit that I found about National Princess Day from the holiday calendar website. So this day celebrates all the magical qualities of being a princess from the sparkle and the glamour to having self-confidence and grace. It's an opportunity for everyone to channel the inner princess by wearing a crown or tiara, dressing up in pretty clothes and celebrating with friends. National Princess Day has been around since 2006 when it was created as a way for people to honour strong female role models. I especially like that last little bit that I read where it is a way for people to honour strong female role models. I almost feel like that's the biggest jewel in the crown to uncover or discover in this episode. This really resonates with me as being a big reason why I call this podcast Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. Strong women are not necessarily the ones that are the high achievers in the corporate sector or who might appear to have made it, but they are the women who weather the storms of life with grace against the odds and triumph over adversities. So what drives that desire in little girls to want to be a princess? When researching this, I found a quote by a lady called Margaret Adams, and she's in Christchurch. And what she had to say about this, it sort of, I feel like it gives a good sense of some of the drivers for girls wanting to be princesses. I quite like her take on it. So what she says is, going by children's books, princesses are young, pretty, wear beautiful clothes, have adventures, get rescued by princes, get married and live happily ever after. Queens, on the other hand, are older, married or widowed. They wear stately dresses. They have duties. They also have children. They are the mothers of the princes and princesses who have adventures and get married and live happily ever after. So not quite as appealing as being a princess. Um, there's a lot of responsibility in that other position. So this uh, this holds a lot of appeal and makes it easy to understand why little girls might like to be a princess. The next one is, is it a good thing or a bad thing for girls to dream about being princesses? Hmm. Well, now I have my own theory on this and I see it as a two-edged sword. One side of the sword is a good thing because the underlying motivation is because girls want to be treated with love and respect. And the other side, you know, might set up this expectation that it is the place of a man to rescue the princess when hard times befall her. So this is a bit of a danger zone here. So I found something really interesting on this subject by a real princess, and here's what Princess Malaya B. Kando had to say. And she says, there are two kinds of princesses in this world. The real, as in R-E-A-L, and real, which is R-E-E-L. So real princesses, being R-E-A-L, were born royalties based on their noble genealogy. So real princesses, on the other hand, which is R-E-E-L, are women who want to be treated like a princess even if they were not born from a noble family. When a lady is a real princess, it means more of a responsibility than fame or privilege. That is the way she looks at it. Um, so that is how she carries her blood responsibilities as a member of a noble family in her hometown. So not all women wanted to be born with a nobility, but they have no choice but to act like one and deliver what is expected of them. So it comes with responsibility. So that answers... Um, your question of why does every female want to be a princess? Not all women, most women want to be treated like princesses, but 
by their partners out of their desire to see their partners really love them. But in most cases, their attitude causes more problems than creating smooth and happy relationships. They are high maintenance and that is a big no to many guys. I I understand these guys as well. A relationship should not be a burden, but a source of support. Um, so I just want to make a little comment on what she's said now because I haven't actually delved into this really because um, of this idea around a princess being high maintenance. Um, I understand where she's coming from with that statement um, because you'll hear people, you know, sort of joking with somebody and saying, oh, you're such a princess. And, you know, in that kind of connotation, I suppose it's kind of saying um, you're a bit of a diva. Um, You're, yeah, you're a really kind of needy or high maintenance person, your hard work, basically. And that's not my take on being a princess um, because I don't see a, a princess as making demands on her partner. Um, but that's a really interesting point that is worth, is definitely worth thinking about um, because that is a connotation that's definitely used and it's a negative sort of reference towards women, you know, saying that, you know, you're a high-maintenance woman by saying you're you're such a princess. So um, anyway, moving on from that, <laughs> all right, so she says a relationship should not be a burden but a source of support and I agree with that 100% and that should be a two-way street. As to why men do not want to be a prince, that is a case-to-case basis. On social media alone, most men parade their material wealth just to pick up women on such a shallow reason. They would not fail to get a woman of their level, materialistic couple match, another interesting point she's making. But on a deeper level, real love is not about nobility titles or wealth. It is all about sincerity, honesty, respect, and understanding. I love that. So thank you very much for that princess, Malaya B. Kando, and I hope that my pronunciation is correct. Okay, so is society driving this desire in little girls or is there some deeper need that little girls are seeking to have met by imagining themselves as princesses? So I found an interesting article from the Harvard Crimson by Emerson L. Gies and here are his thoughts on the role that Disney plays in forming ideas around body image for young girls and he knows that we still have a long way to go with gender inequality and that stereotypes we're led to believe are ideal can be very damaging to a person's self-esteem if they think they fall short of that. And that's so true. So here's what he has to say. Every little girl has their favorite Disney princess. From dancing around the kitchen in princess dresses to telling their parents that they want to be a princess when they grow up. The effect that the princesses of Disney have on little girls is undeniable. Little girls want to be hardworking like Tiana, smart like Belle, brave like Merida, and kind like Snow White. But can the desire to embody the princesses be detrimental to young girls' images of themselves or their mental health? Is this idolization of these flawless women a good thing? So Disney princesses are known for their beauty as well as their character or sometimes even more for their beauty than their character. Aurora has only 18 lines within the entirety of Sleeping Beauty with the main emphasis centering on her appearance. She is saved because she is beautiful. She is loved because she is beautiful. This focus is evident even in the title Sleeping Beauty. In every Disney princess film, beauty is correlated with the good qualities in a character while 
exterior ugliness, so to speak, is correlated with a negative or villainous character traits. This association is obvious to anyone who has ever seen the movies, especially the kids idolizing these princesses, which makes the correlation itself an intrinsic part of the problem. If being older and bigger as a woman is portrayed as ugly in these movies, and this ugliness is then associated with being bad, how are the beauty standards for women going to become more inclusive if the portrayal of the ideal women is forever perpetuating the negative beauty standards of present times? No little girl is going to accept the less princess-esque aspects of herself if they are ultimately associated with being a villain. More specifically, Disney has been known for creating unrealistic body expectations for little girls as they transition into womanhood. Disney princesses are known for several defining characteristics, big eyes, impossibly small waists, perfect skin and hair and a slender frame. It has been said that the eyes of the princesses are bigger than their waists. They ultimately have an impossibly doll-like physique, which, which little girls should not be associating with an achievable standard of beauty. What little girl should look at the big eyes and the small waist of Belle and think that she is the most beautiful girl in the world or that she wants to look like her as well as act like her? The unobtainable standard has been shown to negatively impact young girls' perception of themselves. According to a study published in Psychology of Popular Media, researchers investigating such discussions found evidence that the body size of children's favourite princesses moderated the relationship between engagement with pretend players, princesses, and certain developmental outcomes. That means that when little girls found the most appealing characteristics, kindness, bravery, work ethic, etc., in a princess, they often associated those characteristics with the way she looked. A little girl whose favourite princess is Moana, who has less exaggerated and more realistic features, will likely have far more healthy standards for her body than a little girl whose favourite princess is Elsa, for example. Should the role models of young girls perpetuate an unrealistic and problematic standard of beauty? Should such charismatic and flawless women be associated with such an unobtainable physique? The unrealistic standards of beauty that Disney princesses present and their undeniable effects on young girls' self-perception establishes a very problematic precedent with a hundred-year legacy. The princesses of the past are always going to be watched and idolised by little girls. So how does Disney move forward? The addition of new princesses with a wider variety of body types would definitely be a crucial factor in resolving the problem as it would help reduce the association of a distinct kind of beauty with goodness. While the princesses that already exist still play a vital part in the mindset of girls, creating princesses who don't adhere to these traditional beauty standards can help override this association between beauty and goodness. This addition will allow girls to find beauty in different parts of themselves and not equate their self-worth with aspects of their physical appearance. Although Disney's portrayal of women as princesses and role models has been an inspiration of all kinds for little girls, the corporation must understand the responsibility they hold to their viewers. People need to feel lovable no matter how their physical appearance differs from the stereotypes we are fed by popular culture. Believe me, I have had to learn this the hard way. So this is back to, thank you very much for that article. That was, you know, like covered a lot of ground and yeah, there's many things that were said there that I agree with. So I just wanted you to know that, you know, I have had to learn 
this point of feeling lovable no matter how my physical appearance differs from the stereotypes the hard way. Uh, I didn't get born into a perfectly formed body and my perception was that pretty much everybody else did and I just happened to be the unlucky one that didn't. Um, So for me, and, you know, of course I know that that perception is completely incorrect, um, but that was the way that I felt growing up. So for me, I've got a couple of, you know, physical anomalies and, you know, I've got a missing vertebrae in my neck and I have two vertebrae in my neck which are fused and uh, my left scapula is shaped differently to my right. So much so that when I was four years old, I um, had an operation where they removed part of my scapula to try and even out the look, basically, of my um, stature so that my shoulders looked more even um, to the naked eye so it wouldn't stand out too much. So these physical differences that I have, they what they did to me is, you know, they made me feel so imperfect I felt ugly and I tried very hard to mask my differences and try and, you know, still resemble what that ideal, you know, stereotype was, you know, in the eyes of society. So, um, so that other people would hopefully see me not just as normal, but as beautiful. So I'm someone who has put a lot of emphasis on my physical appearance, maybe more so because I didn't want people being repulsed by my physical, you know, anomalies. The majority of people who meet me have absolutely no idea that I have these differences and think, you know, that I'm pretty and even, you know, think I'm beautiful. Um, But it was more, you know, like I was always looking to see how people were viewing me and always feeling unsure of myself. And it was very important to me how, how I was being perceived. And that kind of pressure that I was putting myself under was definitely impacting on how I valued myself ultimately and I didn't value myself you know much um and because of that that left me very vulnerable to be mistreated so this is the importance of you know girls quashing those um, stereotypes and learning to love and value themselves for the person that they are, no matter what their physical appearance, you know, is, no matter what their body type is, no matter what color their hair is, their skin is, their eyes are, their anything, just none of it matters. You know, you, you are still beautiful. You are still whole. You are still, you know, lovable and, um, and you need to learn to love the you that you are um, because you're not doing yourself any favors as long as you're not liking yourself. So these days I'm so much knowing all of this now, just taken me a long time to actually gain this understanding. But these days I am much more accepting of my physical anomalies um, and I'm more concerned now about looking after the body that I have rather than trying to achieve an unattainable ideal. So it's a much, it's sort of like the path of peace for yourself to be able to do that. Um, I still take care of my physical appearance, but when I do that, I do it as an act of self-care and self-love. I like to look my best as for me, it's just a sign that I care about myself enough to take the time to look nice. Um, It's not because I'm trying to gain approval from other people. We can be so incredibly hard on ourselves. And if we've been in an abusive relationship, that person has probably 
labeled us with a whole lot of really negative labels. Um, you know, maybe you've been labeled as being unworthy of love. Maybe you've been told that you're dumb or you're stupid or you're fat or you're ugly or you're crazy or you're useless or you're just such a nag or, you know, you're silly or you're just so annoying or you're paranoid or you're disgusting or, you know, stop being so dramatic. And, you know, the list goes on and on, but you are not any of those things. So if you could look at all of those horrible labels that I just listed and um, see them as being negative and destructive and ultimately really unhelpful to you and see them just as a little post-it note because they can they can hold such weight for us and they can, you know, keep us in such a horrible place. But if you can conjure up in your mind and see these things as just being something that's written down on a post-it note. And a post-it note is really easy to stick on, but it's just as easy to take off. So if you look at those labels as just little post-it notes that you can take off and you can toss those away and you can put them in the rubbish where they belong, that is going to be doing you such a favor. So what I want you to take away from this episode is that I see you as a princess, okay, in a really positive light. And that light is that I see you as being a person who deserves love and respect. So if you're not being treated right, I would love it if you would go and get some help to get your life onto a new trajectory where you not only will surround yourself with people who do value you and who do love you and do respect you, but you will also let go of the unhelpful labels and give yourself the love and care that you truly deserve. So ultimately we all desire this in life you know our desire is to be happy and to be fulfilled at the end of the day and sometimes that requires us to change something that we are doing that is not helping us to live our best lives so I invite you now to celebrate National Princess Day with me by doing something that makes you feel like a princess. So here's a few ideas to help you celebrate. Number one, watch a princess movie. Now it's something I will definitely be doing. So whether you're doing that by yourself or whether you're getting together with some friends or your family or your children, turn on a princess movie and see what it is to, you know, feel like a princess again and honour that princess. So my favourite princess movie is not one of the Disney movies. Sorry, Disney, but it's actually Princess Diaries. Um, So that's one thing that you could do to celebrate Princess Day. You could also look at creating a royal feast for yourself. So you can make a meal fit for a princess. And so whether that's making something at home that feels like what a feast would look like for you, or maybe you want to take yourself out and go to a special restaurant and treat yourself while getting dressed up in something that makes you feel really special. You can leave the tiara at home, okay? Don't worry. (laughs) Um, So maybe you want to, you know, read a fairy tale about princesses and um, just delve into it a little bit and ignite your imagination again about the adventures that princesses can go on and know that you too can go on many adventures in your life which are really positive, not those scary adventures where they're out of control, but really good adventures where you can take risks, where you can have really great experiences. So, but you might not be there right now. So maybe the first thing you can do to 
feel like a princess is to value yourself enough to get some help and support. But whatever you do to celebrate being a princess, I want you to just celebrate being the amazing you that you are. And I want you to celebrate women everywhere because when we come together, we have so much strength. We don't have to do this all on our own. We've got each other and I'm here for you. Okay. All right. Until next time, happy Princess Day. If you would like to be a part of a growing community to fast track your healing journey, you can do this in a couple of ways. One way you can do this is to become a supporter of this podcast by becoming a patron. This will help me to help you and other people just like you to discover the resources that are included in this podcast to help you rise back up after hitting rock bottom, after experiencing different forms of abuse. And like I said, you can do this by becoming a patron of this podcast. It's super easy. Just go to the episode notes and click on the link to become a patron. When you are a patron, you will receive exclusive bonuses like the behind the scenes audio files with deep and meaningful insights from conversations with guests that are not included in the podcast interviews. Plus, there are a range of special building blocks to help you to rebuild your life. So go check it out. And you can join the growing Rise Up with Tiara's Tears and Triumphs Facebook group with over 400 members where you can troubleshoot issues you're having. Every victim and every survivor of abuse has expertise. And being part of a community of peers gives you a safe place to get answers to questions that you have and to share what you know with others. Again, just go to the episode notes to become a member of the group today. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, 
acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes? to let other women know this is a show they can trust. It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe. Sandy. Sandy.